written in chalk, the echo of Arthur Stace, explores the legend of the man who became Mr Eternity and how that word ended up emblazoned across the Sydney Harbour Bridge at the turn of the millennium. This award-winning documentary is now available to watch in the free Vision app. Just tap the Watch tab and scroll to the Written in Chalk channel. If you don't have the Vision app on your phone or tablet, download it when you search Vision Christian Media in your app store or click the link at vision.org.au slash app. Vision Watch. Another way Vision is helping you look to God daily. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Well, let's take a few minutes to explore a special dimension of the Bible that may be helpful to us, making sense of life, especially when things go wrong. As you may know, when we talk about the Bible as literature, there are a variety of different types of literary genres in the Bible. Mostly we think of books of history, like Kings or Chronicles, or those known as the wisdom literature books like Proverbs and Ecclesiastes or the prophets like Ezekiel and Jeremiah. Well, today, a focus on the poetry of the Bible and how our next guest, who loved words as a young boy, grew up to discover in higher studies about the Bible how writing poetry helps people to process grief. Felix Sennett is pastor of the George's River Congregational Church in Sydney. He specialises in poetic verse for the purpose of processing painful emotions. He's got a new book out called Willows in the Breeze. Felix, welcome along to 2020. Thank you very much. (laughs) Felix, you loved words as a child. Give us some impression here how those things developed into really this passion you have now. Yeah, well, when, uh, when I was young in primary school, I uh, used to write poetry. Um, and um, when I grew up, uh, I also became very adept at writing short stories as a teenager. And it just uh, just kind of grew from there, you know, the love of story, the love of words. Uh, and not just uh, utilizing words to, to do something like, you know, asking someone to do something or ordering someone around, but uh, using words to... Um, to understand beauty, to understand, uh, you know, oneself, um, and then as a Christian to understand God. And what I found very um, surprising was that when I look at when you look at the Bible closely, so much of the Bible is actually written in poetry. Um, but just as a young boy, I used to memorize poetry and publicly recite it in Estedford's. Um, and people don't really do that much anymore, but that's what I did when I was um, uh, when I was about ten years old, and I've still got certificates from that time of performing poetry by re- memorising it and reciting it. So it's always been part of um, part of what I do. Back in ancient biblical times, the sorts of poetry we might read in the Bible doesn't always look like the sort of rhyming verse that we perhaps are used to in the 21st century. How do you describe the difference between poetry in the biblical time uh, to the sorts of things that people commonly think about poetry today? Well, one of the um, one of the things that we think about with poetry is that it has to rhyme, um, but a lot of uh, very um, evocative poetry is non-rhyming. Um, if you think of, um, in, in poetic terms, they call them heroics. 
um, sometimes epics, but they're actually written a lot of the time with non-rhyming verse or very little rhyme. Um, and so, um, you know, uh, for a lot of our modern sensibility, we kind of prefer rhyming. But in the Bible, they don't tend to rhyme. Um, most of the time, the biblical poetry um, uses images. So what it does is it reinforces something in um, parallels. So it'll say, you know, the rock was dark, the rock was dark as night, the rock was dark as black. And so what it does is it, um, it will often repeat an image, but it will intensify it by repeating it. Um, or it will repeat it with synonyms. Um, sometimes it uses opposites um, in order to bring emphasis. And even in the New Testament, when Paul is writing, even though he's writing in Greek, he'll often repeat something three times or have this triadic formula um, to emphasize something or to fully encompass a description of something. Um, so even though it is written in Greek, it's written like a Hebrew because they will often repeat things um, sometimes four times, but the way that they wrote poetry was quite different. Uh, but if you look at particular um, parts like um, Psalm 119, the longest psalm, Psalm 34, and the Book of Lamentations, they're actually acrostic poems, which means that each line starts with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And so Lamentations chapter 1 is 22 letters, uh, 22 verses, because the Hebrew alphabet has 22 letters. Chapter 2 is 22. Chapter 3 of Lamentations is 66 because it's 22 times 3. And then Chapter 4 is another acrostic. And so this is a very common technique in Hebrew poetry. Um, so it is a bit different. They tend to use, they tend to write poetry emphasizing images and metaphors a lot more than we do. Um, but given that, you know, if you, if you look carefully, um, you know, th there is a lot of poetry in Scripture. Jesus himself would often use poetic device. Um, so he said, you know, uh, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Um, that is, if you if you look closely at it, is actually poetic um, because he's using contrasts and opposites uh, and all sorts of things to make uh, to make a point. So there is a lot of poetry in in uh, in scripture, and it's it's just amazing to see how it's used. And of course, poetry brings those raw emotions to the surface, doesn't it? Mm. Because poetry has that effect on us today. Do you think we underestimate the power of poetry and the way it affects us emotionally and spiritually when we're reading it? I think we do because we live in a very mechanical society, a very utilitarian society where um, words are used to control, words are used to debate, they're used to shame, and because now, you know, we can't even debate one another with any kind of civility, you know, conversations shut down, differences are shut down, we're all meant to think the same thing. Um, well, how do people use words? And oftentimes when we, people go through grief, we say, I'm lost for words. But the thing is, words are meant to convey what's in the heart, and the Book of Lamentations powerfully um, demonstrates that, that actually I've got this pain in my heart. Well, what do I do? I've got to get it out. And it, it, it's a very poetic, very highly structured poetic um, expression of that. And I think that um, one of the reasons why I wrote my book is because I want to um, help the body of Christ to see that actually we can use words. And the words of Scripture help us to do that because if you read a lot of the Psalms, there's very intense emotions um, so the psalm that Jesus quotes is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, 
And if you look carefully at that psalm, the recitation of that poetry is at the moment of Jesus' suffering and describes his suffering. Um, and so words can be used to convey very deep emotion. And I think that if we actually start conveying them verbally in poetic form, um, it will be very transformative, not only in the church, but it will actually transform our wider culture. Your new book is called Willows in the Breeze. And mm. in there, you're articulating some pretty powerful things about how poetry helps us to process grief. What's the connection here? Is it just a matter of emotional words that we connect to? Uh, what works here in helping us process grief? Um, well, see, grief, um, you know, our, our culture emphasises extremes. Our, our culture emphasises extreme joy. So when we feel joyful, we sing a song. Um, when we feel angry, we, we, we complain, we, you know, people are very vocal. But what do we do with grief? Um, our culture is very... Uh, shallow and hollow when it comes to expressing grief because we're told just to sweep it under the rug. Um, at my church, I've done a number of funerals for members of my church, um, people are certain, people connected with it. And when it comes to the time of a funeral, people say, oh, I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't be crying in front of you. It's almost like um, people apologize just for existing and just for having having these, these emotions. And I say, no, crying is what you're supposed to be doing and maybe you need to actually put it down on paper. Um, you know, you love the dead, but maybe there were moments where you and the dead didn't exactly get along and, you know, there's there's pain there and just be open about it. And it's it's amazing how healing that is. And um, there was a particular lady of my church who died and I wrote a poem um, um, and brought it along to the funeral and read it. And it was just amazing how much it affected people. Just to put it in words that um, have have a bit of rhyme, have a bit of rhythm, carefully chosen uh, so we're not just like reading out anything and rambling we're actually carefully thinking about what we're saying and it was very touching and a lot of people came up to me afterwards even non-christians and said oh, i just really love the poem and the poem seemed to affect them possibly more than the sermon uh, because we're kind of let, you know you're giving people permission to be able to step out and express their heart and express up a lot of powerful bottled up stuff um People um, have grief about losing a job, about losing a pet, um, losing a loved one or a divorce, or sometimes they're angry with God because, you know, God, you know, they say, why did you take this person from me? Why did you take this good thing from me? Well, where do people go to express that? And I think that's that's why I wanted to write um, write that kind of thing in my poetry. Felix, you've got one of your poems there ready to read to us. Uh, give us a little introduction, and then uh, how about reading that poem? We're all ears. It's the first poem that I, I have in the book. It's called How. And what it is, it's just about... Um, Allowing the heart to come up and ask the question, how? The, the reason I chose that name, that title, how, is that it's the first book of Lamentations. Uh, the book of Lamentations is a, is, a, is, a, is a poem about the destruction of Jerusalem. And the first question, or the first word of the whole book in Hebrew is how. Uh, Akar, it's the word in Hebrew, but it actually means how. And it's the question we ask when we're going through grief. It's how. Why? How did this happen? Uh, and so I wanted to kind of, um, I wanted to start my book of poetry with that question. And so I wrote a poem around that question to, you know, it's just a question of wonder. How? Why, why does this happen? So read us that poem. Sure. The deepest question I dared to ask was when I walked down the footpath, 
Concern had creased my furrowed brow. I begged to know the why and how. Must the aged get old and baggy? Must I be teased for dressing daggy? To know all things I took a vow. I begged to know the why and how. Why do the priests look so devout? And children like to scream and shout. Alas, how? Tell me right now. I beg to know the why and how. Why need peacocks colourfully strut? And all the dads get sagging guts. Make a purse from the ears of sows? I beg to know the why and how. Yet all the queries never told me why my mother died so quickly. Perhaps one day God will allow for me to know the why and how. Okay, and one of the poems in your book, it's called How. And just reflecting on your journey and your story, you love poetry. You've got to a point where you've published a book on poetry. But uh, you were being dissuaded back as a child from writing poetry because you were told you couldn't make money from it. There are other reasons, aren't there, why we might write poetry Give us some insight here into the beauty that you actually discover when you do write this poetry, Felix. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I, I never, when I wrote my poetry, I never did it to publish a book or to make any money. Um, it was about just getting out the heart. And that's the beauty of poetry is that you can write down prose and you can say, I feel angry, you know, I feel distressed. But it doesn't quite capture how strong or intense the feeling is. It doesn't. Um, you know, I did my master's on the Book of Lamentations and if when you explore the imagery really closely, it's so evocative because they're not just saying, I'm in distress. They have um, they have very, um, sometimes very gut-wrenching, very almost blood-chilling um, imagery, but the beauty of it is how real and open and honest it is. It just says, I'm in absolute agony. And it, does, it doesn't just say, I'm in agony. It says, there is none to comfort me. I stretch out my arms. And there is none, and and so that's the power of poetry is that it really st- you really start to get close to your heart. And the many times when I've written my poetry, um, at the time I wrote it, it didn't. I wasn't consciously aware of how evocative the words were. But when I reread my own poetry, sometimes I start crying because it's brought up stuff from my past, stuff in my heart that has been there for a very long time that hasn't been processed. And boom, I just hit on something that's been very painful and. It, tears just come out and, and that's the power I think of not only writing poetry but also reading your own poetry is that you realise wow there's some, I didn't realise all this stuff was in me um, and so it holds up a mirror and helps to kind of bring out what's been going on deep inside and because I'm going through that myself when I see other people going through difficult times who are going through sorrow, trauma I've got that much more empathy because I've been able to process it myself um, and you can't process traumatic stuff from your head. It's got to be done from your heart. And, um, you know, when, when you read God's poetry in the Psalms and you read even your own verse, as I said, you can see where that stuff's welling up from and you go, wow. And other people read it and say, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm not going through exactly what you're going through, but I'm going through something similar and you've given me permission to express my sorrow. And that, for me, is the greatest um, thing that my writing can accomplish. Well, from understanding biblical poetry to writing your own poetry and understanding that 
Well, not everyone is a poet. Not everyone can write with the same sort of beauty and feeling that Felix has. But you could get a hold of Felix's book. It's called Willows in the Breeze and work out ways that you can use your own words to help process uh, those challenging times you're going through, challenging times that are often coloured by grief. Willows in the Breeze, it's available from places like Coorong. If you're going online, you can get it at Amazon and through Book Depository. It is Willows in the Breeze. There is a website too that you can connect with Felix Sennett. It's Felix H. Sennett. That's Felix, F-E-L-I-X-H, and then Sennett is spelled S-E-N-N-I-T-T dot com. Felix H. Sennett dot com. Felix Thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. No worries. Thank you very much. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.